Thank you so much for joining me today on Just Praise Him Radio. I'm your host, Glenda Lomax, and my job is to inspire you to a closer walk with Christ. Now here's the show. Hello, believers. Welcome to the Just Praise Him radio program. I'm your host, Glenda Lomax. And the title of my message today, this is going to be, I think, a two-part series. The title of my message is called Even in Chains. I'm going to read you a word because this is how the teaching came to be. A word that the Lord gave us on November 1st by the same title. A grave time is just ahead for America. It will be a time of intense grieving for all peoples. America, once a beacon of hope for many, once a land of freedom, will no longer be. Much of it will be destroyed, and what remains will no longer be free. Prepare. Prepare for captivity. Prepare to serve me, even in chains. Wherever a man goes by his own power or another, he is still mine. I desire my people would serve me and worship me even in captivity. Get ready to serve me in places where you will not be allowed to worship me openly. As you do this, I will set you free. I want to start by saying this message is not any more pleasant to me than it is for you. But here's the deal. If war is coming to your land, whether that be America or someplace else, If captivity ends up being our lot, would it not be better to at least have prepared yourself mentally and spiritually for it than to just have it come upon you as a shocking turn of events? God warns us of what is coming because He is merciful. He always prefers mercy to judgment, but mankind does not always qualify for mercy. America has not qualified for mercy, but for judgment. However, Some of God's people in America will qualify for mercy, and you can work towards that. I did a prophetic word review on mercy on my podcast on September 21st, last year, 2023. In the words about mercy, he told us who he will show mercy to, which tells you how you can work towards being included in that group, because we want to be in that group, right? I encourage you to do that because nothing else about war will be merciful to us. You know, I prayed and asked the Lord how I, of all people, was qualified to teach on how to serve Him in captivity. And He reminded me of my marriage to my children's father. May you rest in peace. And it made so much sense then why I endured that for almost 12 years. Nobody wants to be in captivity. But it it could be the Lord has one person He wants you to witness to, and that's the only way He can set it up. But there, and He may take you home right after that. But there are things you can do to survive captivity, and the Lord wants us to worship Him and serve Him even in those harsh circumstances. So that is what we're going to talk about. Thinking about being taken into captivity is a horrible thought for any of us. But as the Lord has instructed me to teach you this, we have to talk about it. That can only mean someone or more than someone among us will be taken captive in what is coming. We know that those who are not allowing God to refine them now will be left behind in the tribulation, so it is likely these are some of those who will need this information, but it never hurts to increase our knowledge, does it? There are examples in the Bible of people who served God even in chains. Daniel, Joseph, 
Abishak, Meshach, and Abednego, to name a few. They are our examples to show we can do it as well, if that is required of us. So let's start with Joseph. Joseph's story can be found starting in Genesis chapter 37. There is so much hidden treasure in the story of Joseph, I could study it forever and probably will. I find new insights every time I read it. Joseph was only 17 years old when he was sold into slavery. Not even out of high school, y'all. He had not even gone to the prom yet. And Bible commentary says that when Joseph was sold, he would have been taken on a, about a 30-day journey, most likely chained, this was his new reality, and on foot, across the desert. 30 days of being drugged through the desert to a new location he did not want to go to, through the heat, missing his family. It must have been such a fight not to get into fear and despair. I think it is a miracle he even survived a trek like that. He had 30 days to decide how he would handle what had befallen him. Now, Joseph could have spent all his time plotting to escape and take vengeance on his jealous brothers. He could have made a decision to be unruly, uncooperative, rebellious, and a hundred other wrong things. He could have gotten angry at the God he served and said, This is what I get. Well, I'm done serving you then. I'm going to do whatever my flesh wants to do from now on. And let me tell you something. There will be many in what is coming who will say just that to the Lord. They will throw away the one thing that can help them through the pain of their captivity. The only one who can give them favor with those over them. This is coming and it is part of the great falling away. The Bible talks about many will fall away from the one true living God because their prayers did not get answered. They did not get their way or, you know, these bad circumstances befell them. I'm not saying that it's anything pleasant any of us want to face. But war is war. But Joseph did not take any wrong attitudes. We know he did not because his behavior stayed the same when he entered Potiphar's house as his newest slave. The difference between freedom and captivity is choice. Most free choice is taken from you when you are in prison. Joseph had been sold into slavery by his jealous siblings. He went from being the favorite son of one of the most important men of his day to being a lowly slave locked away in a dark prison cell. He was falsely accused, imprisoned for a crime he did not commit, and badly treated by those he befriended and tried to help while he was there. One injustice after another. And he was devoted to God, y'all, 24-7. How could this be happening to him? How, had God abandoned him? Had God fallen asleep? You know what, he, he, he had to, what people who knew him had to wonder for sure. Who knew him in the prison? Most of us would have become very bitter and complaining over such a change in fortunes. That's our human nature, and we have to fight that human nature. When situations like this arise, it will only make them worse. And if Joseph had not known God, I have no doubt that he would have too. But there was so much God in Joseph that God shone through even in those terrible conditions. Joseph looked each day for opportunities to exalt his God and opportunities to serve. Joseph became a vessel God could shine through in that dark place to others who were even worse off than he was. 
when he was sold to be a servant of Potiphar, the captain of the guard. Genesis 39.4. It says, And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him. He didn't rebel. He served him. And he made him overseer of his house, and all that he had he put into his hand. Now, that's a different kind of service than just, okay, he's my master and I'm the slave. I got to do what he says. No. When it says he served him, he had to have served him with a really good attitude and with excellence in order to be put over his entire house. Think about that. When he was falsely accused and thrown into prison because of Potiphar's lying, cheating wife, Genesis 40 verse 4 says, And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them, the butler of the king and his baker, and he served them. And they continue to season and wart. So wherever Joseph ended up, he looked for opportunities to exalt God and to serve other people. He served the king's servants, and they were servants. He served Pharaoh's former. He served Pharaoh's former butler and baker. He served them and witnessed to them of our mighty God. I'm sure, I have any doubt whatsoever, that the people Joseph witnessed to were like, oh, really, your God is that great? Then why are you in here? Of course, that question was fully answered when he was appointed prime minister of all of Egypt not long after that, but because Joseph served others and because he constantly witnessed to the power of our mighty God, not one day of Joseph's time in prison was ever wasted time. None of it was wasted. Captivity did not change Joseph. It did not change his integrity at all. Joseph never just languished and said, oh, woe is me. He got to work making God look good wherever he was and doing something with his time. They took his freedom and they took his choices, but they could not take his God and he did not let them take his good attitude. So no matter where you end up in the scheme of what is coming, and no matter where I end up in the scheme of what is coming, we need to remember how Joseph handled captivity. We need to meditate on this and think about how few his choices were trudging through that hot desert in chains and in that dark prison cell, not knowing if he would ever see his family again, his father. His father was already old. He could not choose where he was. He could not choose what he ate every day. He could not choose who his companions were, but he could choose his attitude, and he could choose to witness and do something with his time. He could choose to remain faithful. He could choose to walk in humility, because we honor God when we walk in humility, not pride, don't we? He could choose to believe God to bring something good out of his situation, although it must have been hard to believe anything could, good could come out of it. He would never have dreamt that thousands of years later we would still be studying his story. Joseph's excellent attitude makes me think of the serenity prayer. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Joseph put aside his homesickness. He put aside the fact that chances were good he would never see his beloved father again on the earth. His father was already elderly when Joseph was carted off. Not to mention he missed his one full brother, Benjamin, for sure. I don't know if he missed any of the others because they were kind of not very nice to him. 
Joseph wanted to be home causing his own father's flock to prosper, not prospering Potiphar's house or, you know, whoever in the prison. But still, he pushed on with his amazing attitude of, I will glorify God no matter where I am. I will remain faithful to God no matter where I am. I will serve others in humility no matter where I am. When Pharaoh had the famine dreams and nobody else could interpret them, Joseph could have said, well, what's in it for me if I interpret the dreams for you? Let's work on a release deal for me and then I'll tell you what they mean. It has to be worth getting me out of that dark dungeon if I can solve your problem, right? But he didn't. Joseph behaved the exact same way he would have if he had been living in his father's tent. He was respectful. He was polite. He helped where he could. And because he did, Pharaoh saw his wisdom and made him prime minister. Doing right is the right choice. Had he tried to bargain for his release, he would have just been thrown back into that cell. Result. Joseph walked in his integrity, and he served, and he walked in humility, and God was exalted, and Joseph was promoted. Joseph's integrity was obvious to all who met him. And his integrity affected not only him, not only his family, it affected an entire nation. That was the whole reason why God used him. He knew that he would walk in his integrity no matter what. God's favor follows integrity. If you want God's favor, there's how you get it right there. Your location and your vocation and your circumstances do not change who you are. Whatever miserable situation you find yourself in should not change your faith, your morals, or your conduct. To have integrity means to be the same all the way through. Gold that has integrity is gold all the way through. It's not gold-plated. Joseph was true gold. He was not gold-plated. Which are you? Which will you be if you're taken captive in the war and treated badly? Let's review just for a minute some things that the Bible says about favor. Because we all need favor now, but so much more in the time coming. So how do we get it? Proverbs 11.27 He that diligently seeketh good procureth favor, but he that seeketh mischief it shall come unto him. Proverbs 8, 33-36 Hear instruction and be wise, and refuse it not. Blessed is the man that heareth me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the posts of my doors. For whoso findeth me findeth life, and shall obtain favor of the Lord. But he that sinneth against me wrongeth his own soul. All they that hate me love death. He that sins against me wrongs his own soul. So this is clearly talking about the Lord our God. Blessed is he who hears him, whoever finds him. That is the person who discovers who God is and follows him, walking in his ways, shall obtain favor of him. Favor is like when there's a choice between you and another person for something good. God's favor will cause you to be chosen. Proverbs 12.2, a good man obtaineth favor of the Lord, but a man of wicked devices will he condemn. This is echoing what Proverbs 8.36 just said. Proverbs 13.15, good understanding giveth favor, but the way of transgressors is hard. 
Now, a transgressor is a person who sins as opposed to someone trying to live the right way before God. A person trying to live the right way is usually a person who has spent a good deal of time learning the Word of God and who has understanding of His Word because of that, and that is a person who has favor. Proverbs 14.35, the king's favor is toward a wise servant, but his wrath is against him that causes shame. Okay, so those are just a few points about favor. Living in God's favor is a lot better than living without it. Okay, let's look at Daniel. Daniel's story is found in the book of Daniel. Daniel was taken into captivity when war came to Jerusalem under King Nebuchadnezzar the king of Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar took captive all the wisest and most beautiful of Jerusalem to become trained servants in Babylon, along with some of the vessels of the house of God, which he should have never touched. The first thing the prince of the eunuchs given charge over Daniel and his friends did was rename them with Babylonian names to begin assimilating them into the culture, and he assigned special diets to them. The new names were a way to um, get them to separate more from where they were taken from. Daniel 1.8 But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now remember, the Jews had very specific dietary laws back then. It was very specific. Daniel 1.9 says, Now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. See, he gave him favor with the guy that was over him. Boom, right there. God gave Daniel's boss in captivity love for Daniel so he would treat him nicer. Daniel purposed in his heart he would not defile himself. You know, life can make you bitter or it can make you better. And that choice is before you every single day. Daniel just could have just said, well, you know, I'm in captivity, so obviously I can't follow normal dietary laws. I'm just going to eat whatever they offer me. You can take the hand life has dealt you and use it to help others around you, or you can stew over it and become an angry, bitter person. You get to choose which way you want to handle that with each situation that presents itself to you. As soon as Daniel committed to walk in his integrity in that situation, God's favor showed up. When Joseph committed himself to serve others and witness about God in his situation, God's favor showed up. See the pattern? God's favor follows integrity. God had a strong witness in Daniel to the godless Babylonians. So when they threw him in the den of hungry lions, God shut their mouths and preserved Daniel. You want favor and protection in what is coming? That's how you get it. And I'm telling you, if you will just read your Bible, you will find many stories that will encourage your faith. Daniel goes on to be the only person who can interpret King Nebuchadnezzar's dream vision of the giant statue while witnessing to him. Just like Joseph, God uses that, that gift, he used that gift to get him in front of the king so he could witness. Daniel 2.27, but there is a God in heaven. He's like, I can't interpret your dream, but. There is a God in heaven that reveals secrets. Daniel took no credit for himself, like Joseph before him, and he made it known to King Nebuchadnezzar what shall be. He says, But there is a God in heaven that reveals secrets and maketh known to the King Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days. Thy dream and the visions of thy head upon thy bed are these. Daniel refused to take any credit himself for giving the interpretation. Result, God is exalted and Daniel is promoted.
There's also the story of Daniel in the lion's den in chapter 6. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom, and over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was first, there's the jealousy again, that the princes might give accounts unto them, and the king should have no damage. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes. Why? Because he was a person who walked in integrity. You will always be preferred over other people if you are always known to do the right thing and you walk in integrity. And if it's not fake, by the way. Because an excellent spirit was in him. That's the integrity. And the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Again, there's, you know, the king who has all this power over him. It's ready to put him over the whole country, just like Joseph. Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no occasion nor fault, none occasion nor fault. Forasmuch as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. Then said these men, We shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Then these presidents and princes assembled together to the king and said thus unto king, unto him, King Darius, live forever. All the presidents of the kingdom, the governors and the princes, the counselors and the captains, have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for thirty days, save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. So in other words, we're saying that anybody for thirty days that shall pray to any god or ask a man for anything, unless it's you, who's you know has all this mighty power, they were appealing to his pride, that we should throw him in the den of lions, because they knew that Daniel would pray. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing that it be not changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Wherefore, King Darius signed the writing and the decree. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, now he knew he didn't do this innocently. He went into his house and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God. And as he did aforetime, he didn't change. He did not change what he did. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Then they came near and spake before the king concerning the king's decree. Hast thou not signed a decree that every man that shall ask a petition of any God or man within 30 days, save of thee, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing is true according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Then answered they and said before the king that Daniel, which is of the children of the captivity of Judah, regardeth not thee, O king, nor the decree that thou hast signed, but maketh his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was sore displeased with himself and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him, and he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. In other words, the king liked Daniel, and he's like, oh, I got to save him for this because I can't, I can't reverse the decree. That's against the law. Then these men assembled unto the king and said unto the king, Know, O king, that the law of the Medes and Persians is that no decree nor statue which the king establishes may be changed. Then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God, whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. And a stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lord's that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. That must have broken the king's heart to do that. Then the king went to his palace and passed the night fasting. 
Neither were instruments of music brought before him, and his sleep went from him. He couldn't sleep, couldn't eat. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste unto the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God, whom thou servest continually, able to deliver thee from the lions? Then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. My God hath sent his angel and has shut the lions' mouths, that they have not hurt me, forasmuch as before him innocency was found in me. And also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. Then was the king exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So was Daniel taken up out of the den, and no manner of hurt was found upon him because he believed in his God. So he didn't even have a scratch on him. And the king commanded, and they brought those men which had accused Daniel, and they cast them into the den of lions, them, their children, and their wives. I feel sorry for the families. And the lions had the mastery of them and break all their bones in pieces wherever they came at the bottom of the den. Then King Darius wrote unto all people, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied unto you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and steadfast forever. And his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed, and his dominion shall be even unto the end. He delivereth and rescueth, and he worketh signs and wonders in heaven and in earth, who hath delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Result of Daniel's integrity. God is exalted, and a pagan king not only believes in God, but decrees everyone else under his rule must also worship him. And Daniel is promoted and prospered throughout the entire rest of that king's reign. I think that's pretty awesome. What do y'all think? Next week's episode, we're going to talk about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So we're going to stop here for now. I want y'all to think about this. Now I want you to think about the integrity and all the benefits of this integrity because this is important. Integrity is very rare now and it shouldn't be. It should not be rare to find someone who tells the truth and does the right thing. We need to work on this. People who don't make God look bad. I'm just saying. Okay. Thanks for listening. Jesus bless you. Y'all have a great week. Thank you so much for tuning in today to Just Praise Him Radio. I hope this has inspired you to a closer walk with Christ. You can contact me by mail at my new address, JPH Inc., P.O. Box 854, Altus, Oklahoma. That's A-L-T-U-S, Oklahoma 73522. Or by email at wingsofprophecy at gmail.com. JPH is not affiliated with any nonprofit organization, church, or denomination. Does your life feel like it's falling apart around you? Are multiple things going wrong all at once? Does it seem all your comforts have been stripped away? You may have entered the wilderness. Wilderness experiences are often times of great discomfort and lack. Every Christian must pass through the desert on the way to their promised land. Find out how to go from surviving to thriving by partnering with God as He leads you in the path that will strengthen your faith and prepare you to step into your destiny. The Wilderness Companion will help you find out why you have been led into the wilderness. 
Find out the biggest hindrances to receiving the provision you need in the wilderness. Find out what the seven temptations of the wilderness are. Learn how to partner with God in His purposes for you in the desert seasons. Get your copy of The Wilderness Companion today. The Wilderness Companion by Glenda Lomax on Amazon.com in print, Kindle, or audiobook. If you ask anyone you know what the most difficult experience of their life has been, many will answer about a time of betrayal. All those called to walk the narrow path will at some point encounter Judas. How will you respond? Do you know how to recognize Judas when he shows up in your life? Can you keep Judas from bringing destruction to your life and ministry? How can you minimize what Judas cost you? Can you pass the test of absolute betrayal? Get your copy of The Judas Test, available in print and new audiobook, The Judas Test by Glenda Lomax, available now on Amazon.com. Sold out for 30 pieces of silver? In Exodus 21:32, it is the price of a dead slave. In Leviticus 27, 2-7, it is the price of a live one. Jesus was sold for the price of a bondservant. Precious Jesus, the Son of God, the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, why did Judas sell his friend out so cheap?